All right, we're recording. All right, this is uh, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch, and this is the Good Life Bowhunter, the official podcast of the Nebraska Bowhunters Association. You bet it is. All right, so here we are today, guys. We're just uh, doing our second installment uh, for the, the NBA here, trying to get things rolling, and um, Zach and I got a good episode planned for you today, so um, Zach's going to start out by just kind of hitting on a few um, announcements for the NBA. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, so uh, we got the Jamboree coming up here in about three weeks, sneaking right up on us. So and we're going to have an episode coming out pretty soon. We're going to have on Jake Runyon. He uh, helps run it. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the events going on, what's going on every day. And for some of you who've never been there, figure out what it's all about and hope to see a lot of you guys there. No, definitely. Yeah, we're going to have Jake on and really try to go into detail on a lot of stuff. Um just as far as what what all the shoots are, what the events are, everything, and just so you um, everybody's um, kind of familiar with all that stuff. Because like I said, if you haven't been there before, it's a great time. So. Oh yeah. Um, perfect. Well, uh, state national news topics, legislative issues. We don't really have anything currently on that. I know the state legislature is not in session currently, um, and so um, nothing really as far as that goes for the moment. But we're going to jump into our next section, which is uh, um, Trophy Wall, which is the part of the podcast where um, basically we read off or, or discuss uh, potentially um, a member's successful hunt or unsuccessful hunt, whatever, just a memorable hunt, I guess, would be the way to put it. Um, and uh, so we're going to start out, I guess, this uh, episode of the podcast is going to be um, all about antelope hunting. Um, antelope bow hunting, I guess would be the appropriate way to say that. And so Zach and I, we both had successful hunts last fall. So, um, we were just going to get in and talk about that. I think I'm going to have Zach just go ahead and, and talk about his hunt from last fall first here. So go ahead, Zach. Yeah. So, uh, like Kyle said, we're going to be talking about antelope a little bit today. And, uh, I'd say my antelope season last year was, I mean, almost textbook how antelope hunting can go to, I mean, <laughs> antelope hunting can be some of the highest of highs and lowest of lows, and I had that all within about a week. I missed a buck on on a Saturday, came back over fall break, and got on, got on a different herd, and ended up, we spotted this buck. He was about, oh, I don't know, probably a mile and a half away, just little white dots on the horizon, and we come up over the hill and my dad spots him almost right away and he goes there's goats over there and I'm looking and I was like where is he talking I get my binos on him and they're just specks and I was like you gotta be kidding me I'm not <laughs> getting on them but you'll find out that if you go antelope hunting these things are just they'll move for miles I mean you know how it is oh, Kyle. Yeah, for yeah. sure <laughs> but anyways to make a long story short we cut the distance it was a real windy day so we we were able to kind of stay low and cut the distance pretty quick and we get up there and we start belly crawling and we're within 150 yards of the goats and we come up over the crest of this hill and we can see embedded and there's three yucca plants that are separating me and my dad from the herd from the herd and so we start belly crawling we get to one yucca i drop my binos and we get, get up to the next yucca and by that time we're about oh, I don't know, 110, and finally there's one more yucca, and we get up there, and my dad's like, this is as close as we're getting. It was just, I mean, dead flat. The buck was bedded there. I think he had, uh, I think, 11 or 12 does and fawns mm-hmm. with him, so there's just eyes everywhere. And he ranges him. He's like 53.5, and so I get ready, and it was kind of funny. I, I was laying on my stomach, and I was trying to figure out how am I going to draw my bow, you know, and pop up and shoot in one motion. There's no way. This the eternal struggle of yeah. And <laughs> you got you know thir- twelve, thirteen sets of eyes looking at you, and I I ended, I drew back. I kind of held my bow parallel to the ground and came up and I settled on him. And I mean, I I thought I was going to have you know a split second shoot, and to my surprise none of them even looked my direction and <laughs> I was like you get that's there's a first and so I Seriously. shot and I I heard the thump and I'm just like well I I couldn't see my arrow I'm just like man I thought it looked good and there's blood running down his armpit and the does scattered every direction and mm-hmm. 
It's like, oh, he's toast, you know, and then ended up crawling up there and getting another one in him. But, but yeah, it, like I said, the week before I had missed an antelope and, and a muley in the same day, kind of been, got humbled. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of motivated me that next week to get out there and work hard and yeah. they'll make you work for them. So that's awesome. No, man, yeah. for sure. That that's funny that you say that <laughs> to your surprise, you know, you, um, you know, drew your bow and nobody even moved. I mean, I feel like it's one extreme or the other, either you, oh, you I know. draw your bow yeah. and they don't move or, or you draw your bow and every single one of them runs, you know, 300 yards out there and then sits there and looks at exactly. you. you know? but, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, I guess I had kind of a, a sort of a similar situation, but, um, went out and, um, we were hunting up in Northwest Nebraska, which seems like that's, we'll get more into the details on as far as like, you know, where you ought to go for hunting antelope and things like that, private versus public land, what to expect. But I was up in Northwest Nebraska by South of Harrison on just a buddy of mine's place. And, um, anyhow, yeah, I'd, you know, been there just for a long weekend basically. And, um, you know, I'd had some close calls as often goes with antelope, you know, I figure, I mean, I don't know, I guess it always seems like, you know, I think of maybe five to 10% success rate yeah. on, on stocks. Yeah, probably. That's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, and I'd kind of, <laughs> truth be told, I'd been in a dry spell for a long time. I'd, I'd shot a couple antelope first years of college and hunted them pretty consistently since then and hadn't hadn't uh, been fortunate enough to to harvest one since then but um anyhow so you know got up there that um, weekend or whatever and like I said had some close calls and eventually got out to uh um one morning I was going to go up and just plan it on plan on walking across um a bunch of just sections I guess you know I parked my pickup on one side and um, dropped my dad off in his pickup. He was going to sit a windmill and I drove clear around to the other side. There was three or four sections in a row basically that I could just walk clear across. And so I park his pickup and start across and I mean, immediately see, you know, a buck bedded and it wasn't in really great, a great spot to get a stock. So, you know, I kind of sort of gave up on him, so to speak. And, you know, I mean, he could obviously see me and I could see him. And so I was like, well, I mean, there's no real way to get close to him at this point, but as I'm walking along, I kind of come over this little ridge and all of a sudden, boom, out of the corner of my eye, I spot this buck bedded. And so I, you know, of course get down real fast. And I feel like that's another thing, you know, I, I would say nine times out of 10, they're going to see you. Like, you know, I just, even if you see them first and get down, they're going to see you. I just, it always seems like, but their, their eyesight's definitely their strong suit for sure. Um, and, uh, but anyhow, somehow he didn't see me. So I back up end up sneaking around him, get up close and trying to get a range on him. And we'll talk more about this later, Zach, and I'll see kind of what you, what you like to do as far as getting a range on antelope. But, um, I was trying to get a range on him and somehow he caught some movement. And I mean, I didn't even, didn't even have a chance. Like he just bolted out of there, ran 150 yards and stood there looking at me, you know, and, and I, I mean, I was within 40 yards for sure. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it was definitely a, doable shot um so anyhow i was feeling pretty bummed about that and so i end up you know heading west across the pasture and i look up kind of off in the distance and see it looked like a group of i think there was there was four bucks in this group four or five bucks i can't remember but one really nice one another decent one and then some smaller bucks but and we'll kind of get to this more too but you know i experience would tell me that i should just leave those alone because there's so many sets of eyes and everything that, um, you know, sometimes I feel like just trying to find those lone bucks, you're, you're better off to, to try to stock in on those. But oh, definitely. anyways, I just thought, well, what the heck, I don't have anything to lose. So I'll just, uh, go give it a try. So, so I sneak up there and eventually I get to probably about 80 yards from the big buck who's bedded. Um, and I'm essentially, I've, you know, so often happens, I feel like you get to a point where you can't really go any farther. You know, you've sort right. of maxed out and you either have to wait for them to move or, you know, potentially you back out and try to do something else. And so I'm watching this big buck bedded. The other little ones are kind of dinking around around him. And eventually they, they were, he was right on this ridge and they just all 
all of a sudden they just all feed over this ridge. And so <laughs> I dropped my pack as fast as I could and literally sprinted across, you know, that, I mean, like I said, it was probably 50, 60 yards to get to the, to the ridge. And I'm sneaking up the side of the ridge. And like I said, all of a sudden I just, I pop over the hill and there's an antelope right there feeding. And I mean, I didn't even, didn't even occur to me to, to range him at that point. <laughs> I was like, I've already been busted once. I was like, that looks, that's well within 30 yards. I'm just, I'm going to put my pin on him and shoot. So I kind of, you know, put my head back down and, or, you know, kind of slunk down again, pulled back my bow, raised up, put my 30 yard pin on him and just smoked him. And he, I don't know, ran probably 50 yards and fell over dead. But yeah, no, it was, (laughs) anyhow, I was pretty, pretty pumped because, I mean, like I said, I just feel like, you know, so often, so often it happens that you, yeah, I would maybe most of the time I feel like I would have popped over that hill and there'd have been three sets of eyes looking right. at me, and you know. It's you just uh, yeah, yeah. I got exactly. no chance. So, so needless to say, pretty pretty excited, but oh, yeah. but uh He's a good goat too. Yeah, no, thanks, man. You you shot a really nice one too. But I feel like you're the kind of the goat goat king, man. Well, I don't you know always, about that. <laughs> <laughs> you always shoot shoot a nice antelope every year it seems well, like i think but... any antelope with a bow is a oh, man. trophy i find that out pretty quick if agreed. you hunted them long enough agreed for sure so um but yeah anyhow so a couple of successful antelope hunts last fall and um you know i would say definitely qualifies as a a trophy with a with a bow any animal oh, yeah. is a trophy with a bow but for sure antelope they're very difficult especially if you're Trying to sneak oh, up spot on them. and stalk, so. yeah. I always say spot and stalk antelope with a bow. I mean, I think it's one of the most challenging things you can oh, do. I mean, yes. There's a you can say all you want about white tails and how yep. tough they are, but until yep. you try spot and stalk antelope with a bow, I mean, better be prepared to be humbled because <laughs> it'll make <laughs> you look sure. stupid. For sure, man. Um. Let's see here. The next thing, I guess, that's kind of our trophy wall segment. Um, Normally we would go into listener emails, questions, but um, I'm trying, we're trying to get a couple podcasts recorded here before we kind of submit them online. And so obviously we don't have any um, emails or questions at the moment here, but um, I guess the next thing then would be just to run in. Um, Zach and I are just going to talk about, so we were both, you were at the Pope and Young Banquet, I believe, right, yeah. Zach? So, yep. Um, and I was there for well, just a little while. I had um, other obligations that I had to, to be in attendance. But um, we were we were discussing earlier just about, um, this is typically the part of the podcast where we'd get into um, interesting facts and um, trivia, things like that. And um, I know that, this year there was five or in this period recording period there was five new world records in the Pope and Young Club which is pretty impressive um and I think I actually just read an article the other day they were talking about how um it seems like there's more and more I guess bigger deer being harvested just because of the how it's more people paying attention to you know managing their herds and genetics and I'm sure you know especially this year I would I was actually telling my wife I would anticipate that this year I would anticipate really good antler growth. I just would with, think so. All the moisture yeah, around, it's, it's exactly. been a really, should be a really good year for yeah. growth. But. Not that anybody's going to shoot a world record in Nebraska, but well, you, you never know. know. You never know. It's been done before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Austin. Yep. Old Mossy Horns, for sure. But um, So we were just going to just kind of chat about a few of these, um, like I said, the new world records. I know... Um, so there's five, like I said, that are new. We got whitetail, non-typical mule deer, non-typical coos, non-typical, um, brown bear, and then Rocky mountain, bighorn sheep. I don't know which one of those was, was kind of your favorite out of those, Zach, would you say? Uh, without a doubt, the sheep. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we I, got, were... I got a thing for him. I don't know. Yeah. Brown, brown bear was definitely cool. I mean, you didn't realize how big it was till you went up there to the mountain. Yep. Stood next to it. It was a guy had a standing mound of it and I think it was just over 10 foot. Yeah. But like I said, that sheep, if I could pick any animal in there. Oh man. I'm right there with you, buddy. That, uh, there's, there's something about those sheep and I think it's just the difficulty of the hunt. Oh or... yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that that one came from South Dakota, yep. which made it even more unique. That was pretty cool. And, Very uh, cool. Yeah, I actually got a chance to listen to Clayton Miller tell that story, and it was a it's a pretty cool story. I mean, it ended up being in Eastman's too. That's all. So I did see that that it was on the was on the cover actually. Of, yeah, of the I magazines. think it was on the cover. Yeah. Pretty, very impressive um, specimen there. That oh, yeah. that uh, sheep was pretty cool. But all those animals, though, I mean, yeah. man, some, some pretty great trophies there. Definitely, yeah. That whitetail is out of Illinois. Um, mule deer was out of Saskatchewan. The coos, of course, Arizona, um, and the brown bear obviously was in Alaska. And then, like I said, the sheep was out of South Dakota. So, anyhow, you can, I mean. We got to sit here and read off the scores for you, but you know you can look those up on the Pope and Young website, or if you guys are interested more, they they have stories on each of them too, actually kind of featured, but um, that are um, pretty interesting. So pretty cool that uh, we had five new entries. I guess very very neat. So um, so that's kind of our trivia of the day. Um, next thing we're going to talk about. So we we've kind of touched on antelope hunting here a little bit, but um, we're going to get even more into detail with it and kind of talk about more of the, I guess, techniques and, um, you know, what to expect when you're going antelope hunting and sort of treat it as we did the bow fishing one, kind of from a beginner standpoint, um, as far as, you know, just treating it as um, an opportunity for, you know, everyone to, to maybe pick up some pointers or if you're new to antelope hunting or, you know, I've never gone before. This would be a good, good chance for you to just kind of, um, hopefully get the ball rolling as far as, um, having a, a, a baseline of what to expect, I guess. But, um, I guess let's just start out with, uh, how long have you been antelope hunting, Zach? And why don't you just talk, I mean, just some of your experiences and I mean, we can just go from there whenever, but. Well, uh, my first antelope hunt, I actually went out to Wyoming when I was in eighth grade and at the time you could get youth tags they were pretty cheap so i went out there and um i believe hunter martin was with me and mike albrecht took i us. think i remember so, yeah. that the pictures yeah. from that but. yeah just little guys back then but didn't somebody's cable break or something on that trip yeah that was mine <laughs> <laughs> learned at a learned at a young age you don't put broadheads in your bow case yeah so, uh, dang it rookie mistake but hey you only learn once right yeah there you go yep but yeah so after we fixed the cable, thanks to, <laughs> I think Oren Seidel was the one who fixed that for me. Kind nice. Of, kind of saved the whole trip there. But, yeah. But yeah, um, we went out to Wyoming. Hunter and I both ended up shooting a buck and shot a doe. And I'd say, you know, Wyoming's a good place to, I mean, I was reading an article a while back. It's a good place if you're just getting into bow hunting or wanting to get a kid into it. Wyoming is a good place to start. I mean, or if you're looking to get your first antelope, I mean, there's so many out there Yeah. that, you know, it's a good place to start and you're mostly sitting water holes out there. Yeah. Um, um, not to interrupt, but just to touch on that real quick, Zach, I, I think, I think I heard a stat the other day and, and if, if my stats are wrong, forgive me, but, um, I'm pretty sure it's, I heard that there's more antelope in Wyoming than all the other States combined. Yeah, I believe. I think, I, think but, I remember hearing that somewhere. Anyways, but, yeah. But yeah, Wyoming, definitely, I mean, you're looking at your top state, maybe not for trophy potential, but as far as numbers. So anyways, yeah, that, that first trip out to Wyoming, I was in eighth grade, and then uh, I didn't really start hunting antelope in Nebraska till I was late, like my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. junior, senior year of high school, you know, and it's just, I mean, just two completely different extremes of antelope hunting. I mean, you go out to Wyoming, sit on a water hole, and I mean, you might look at a hundred antelope a day or more yeah. and then talk about that a little bit, Zach, what, what, uh, you know, when we're talking about sitting in a water hole, what does that mean? And, and just for, you know, like I said, anybody that if they're new to this or just so they're kind of familiar with that, but yeah. So when you're sitting on a water hole, you know, you're probably in a blind or some people hang tree stands in a windmill mm-hmm. and I, we've done that. That's actually how I killed my first one was out of a windmill. And, you know, people worry about cover, you know, up in a windmill. And the antelope are so used to the windmill turning, you know, and movement. I mean, it's, they don't even look, care to look up there. So, I mean, either way, a blind at the side of a water hole or a tree stand in a windmill. I mean, you can do it either way on when you're sitting on water. And you, typically when you set your blind, 
up, you want to do that. I mean, if you can, you know, a few days before, or the longer before, the better. I mean, the more that the goats can get used to it, the better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when, you, when you're sitting on a water hole, I mean, it can be some long days. You might sit there, you yeah. know, several hours in 100-degree <laughs> heat in a black blind with a black T-shirt on sweating Mm. but but yeah it can be some long days in the blind but i mean there's some days you might i mean you might look at a hundred antelope a day like i said if you go out out west but typically in nebraska you don't see much water hole hunting though unless you're clear out west you know but most of it's spot and stock here so yeah but yeah but like i said i i didn't start antelope hunting here in nebraska till i was late in high school you know when you're yeah when you go here you better be ready to shoot 70 80 yards yeah i mean your chances of getting close on spot and stock are pretty slim to none yeah water hole you're looking at a 15 20 yard shot you know most of the time yep yeah my story is pretty similar to yours actually i mean i started i think i went out to my dad and i went out at least one or two years i think in uh out to wyoming yeah um and i'm trying to remember I think I was maybe a sophomore in high school or something like that. We had, um, I went out after like football game. I think we left and drove through the night one time. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. know why I remember that, but anyhow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of similar experience, but a li- little bit different. We were hunting primarily, um, and just to talk about different techniques, we were actually hunting on an alfalfa field. Oh, really? And so we were, um, there wasn't really um, a great water hole to sit per se and so we were actually sitting um like fence crossings basically where they were coming in and out of that alfalfa field and um and for anybody that's you know unfamiliar with antelope a lot of times antelope will go under a fence um i have seen them go over but most of the time i would say go under they go under so there's very specific spots where um seems like there's a lot of antelope traffic coming through and those are areas that we um, put up these by actually we, I think we went out there two years in a row now that I think about it but the second time we went out and this was I was thinking about when you're talking about the blinds um, you know something that we did we actually took um, old pallets or I think they were from uh, the guy's place that we were hunting on he had like some old pallets stacked in the in the barnyard and we took those out and wired them together in like a square shape and so that when we stuck the blind in there we just kind of you know, put them down. And then, so then they knew something was there. Um, and I think that's really key. Like if you're, you know, wanting to hunt with the blind or, you know, I mean, I, I think it could work, but I think your odds are much better if you're, if it's been there for a few days and they can get used to it. Yeah. Like I said, the longer they're used to it sitting there, you know, the more comfortable they're going to be around it. Yeah. I've even heard of guys using snow fence before. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but like, put it up in a square pattern, you know, wherever you want to set the blind right. and then take it down, put the blind there when you, when you come in. But I don't know. We never tried that, but I, do, I will say that it seemed like the, the, uh, the pallets were cause they really didn't pay much attention, but. Oh yeah. Just used uh, to something sitting there anyway. Exactly. I mean, yeah. can make a lot of things work. Definitely. But. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, so those are kind of, I guess one slash sort of two of the ways. I mean, primarily, Sitting, uh, sorry, my dog's causing problems here. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, <clears throat> where were we here? Let's see. We're talking about water holes. Oh, yeah, water holes yeah. and sitting blinds, tree stands, etc. Um, but I guess kind of the main thing that you and I do now, or, or I mean, have done. Um, is spot and stock hunting. So why don't you touch on that a little bit, Zach, and kind of explain, you know, how that, what that looks like and what that means, I guess. So Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, if you're wanting to be humbled, go and try spot and stock antelope with a bow because <laughs> it, it, there's a reason why the success rates are, like you said earlier, about 10%. If that, uh, there's not many guys who, who can do it year in, year out, consistently kill antelope spot and stock. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, the the difficult thing about spot and stock is an antelope's eyesight is is their strong suit. So I mean, you're at a disadvantage that way. Mm-hmm. And typically they're they're in herds. So I mean, you don't have just one set of eyeballs looking at you like, you know, like a white tail coming on a trail or something. You got 
mean, sometimes a dozen pairs of eyes looking at you. So that's what, you know, that's the first thing that makes it difficult. And uh, also, I, I think I read somewhere antelope can see 270 degrees or something. I would yeah, believe that yeah. for sure. If you look at, look at their eye, eyeballs the kind of bulge out. Yep. Yeah, if you look at them from the... From behind, they got a little divot right behind their eye. It allows them to see 270 degrees. But anyways, so spot and stalk, um, I guess the first thing is you better be ready to walk yep. a lot of miles, have have a good pair of binos, and uh, be prepared to probably not see anything for, <laughs> you know, maybe the first several times. I think my dad, I think he, last year, he walked 50 miles before he saw an antelope buck last wow. year total, and... on you know four or five hunts there but uh yeah here in nebraska like i said you don't see many waterhole hunts just there's so much water around you know you might sit on a waterhole for three days and not see anything not not to say it say it can't be done but spot and stocks usually what you see out here so usually what we do when we go is you know we'll park the truck and we'll start getting on high hills you know we'll go up to the first high hill We'll sit there in glass for 15, 20 minutes, you know, pick out every draw, every blowout. Then we'll go to the next set of hills on horizon, just keep glassing until we find something. Then when you find something, um, that's that's when it gets interesting. You better be ready to move. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, antelope, you'll find out quick. If you, if you follow them around all day, they like to run for fun, and they, it seems like they never sit still. I mean, you can put on a lot of miles just following them around. Um Usually what we do is we'll just follow the herd until they present us with a chance. You know, yeah. we don't try to force a stock in somewhere it's not going to happen. Exactly. Um, the An interesting fact about antelope is uh, what a lot of people don't know is when they go down a hill, they'll run. Hmm. I, I don't know why, but... It, probably I mean, trying to get, I guess, they they can't see what's behind them, so they're probably just yeah, trying to get away from it I, quick. I don't and know, then, but yeah. you see them go over the hill, they'll always run downhill, so <laughs> yeah. they can cover a lot of ground quick. So, yeah. you know, we'll wait for them to go over the hill usually, and then we'll sprint to mm-hmm. get to the top of that hill, you know, hit, hit the deck, you know, get on our bellies, get up to the top of the hill, see where they're at, you know, if they're not below us where we can get a shot, you know, get an eye on them, you know, probably by the 30 seconds you took to run to the top of the hill, they're probably already another mile away yeah it seems like but but they can cover some ground oh they can but no like i said we usually the biggest thing is don't try to force a stock that's not Mm. there just follow them around and at some point they're gonna i mean they're gonna stop the water they're gonna go down in a cut they're gonna you know maybe bed somewhere at the edge of a blowout or something so just wait until the opportunity presents it presents it presents itself um the biggest thing is trying to find them so, so like I said, if you can find them, just follow them until you get a shot. And then the other thing with spot and stock is I, I honestly don't know if I've ever had a shot under 40 yards spot and stock. And yeah. I mean, you said you yeah. shot the one at 30. So yeah. I mean, I'd say my average shot on spot and stock antelope is probably 55, 60 yeah. yards, somewhere in there. So that's the other thing. You better be able to shoot a long ways mm-hmm. on them. But, but yeah, that's another way to do it is spot and stock. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, how many years have you been doing spot and stock? You, <laughs> Quite a you know, while. You, yeah. Yeah. And you, you can probably test just how difficult it is. Oh you man. Know, it, it's yeah. I always say it's the most frustrating, but the most rewarding thing that you can do. I mean, honestly, oh, it's just, it's like, it's probably my favorite thing to do. I mean, if that I do right now, you know, I haven't been elk hunting or anything like that yet, but you know, I right. mean, I just absolutely love chasing those antelope around oh, there oh i do too it's um, just it's so fast paced you yeah. know it's like when you're doing it you really don't even have a chance to get nervous definitely when you're like compared to watching you know a big buck walking towards you mm-hmm. or something you know it's just it's always action-packed you know you're on the move constantly and if you're not i mean you're belly crawling up on them yeah. or you're getting ready to get a shot you know yeah yeah, I guess something, you know, that I always think about for the, you know, for the beginning hunter that's, especially even if they're just, you know, starting out bow hunting or um, whatever, like I said, make sure, like I said, obviously that you can, like you said, you know, that you can shoot a ways, but um, it is a fun hunt too, because, you know, you can, a lot of times, you know, I mean, so when I was in college, you know, I used to hunt on the, the Oglala National Grassland up north of Crawford um, all the time. And there's a lot of antelope out there. I mean, oh, yeah. there is a ton of goats um and so um 
you know, you're, you're, you're always, you know, you're always seeing antelope and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to make plays on them. And so it's just a lot of fun because you're, you know, it's not like sitting in a tree stand for whitetails, which is fun in its own, right? Don't get me right. wrong, but it's, it's just different because you're, you know, you're, you're seeing the antelope, you know, you're getting to try to you know, plan how you're going to get close to them or, um, you know, doing those types of things. And that's something else you said too, that really rings true. And, and I would agree with you 1000% is to be patient and to wait until they make a mistake. I think, oh, absolutely. Um, I think it was Dwight Shue had an article in Bowhunter Magazine maybe a couple years ago now that uh, my dad showed me, but I, I read it and he was spot on. He talked about um, just not, like, like you said, not trying to force things. Like eventually the antelope will make a mistake and give you an opportunity. And if they don't, they don't. But I mean, just trying to, you know, I don't know how many times when I was first starting out, like, man, I would be belly crawling for a mile and a half, like, you know, just like through this, you know, cactus in my, you know, my elbows and knees. I mean, not to say that you don't get some of that still, but you know, just like, I mean, it just, and then, you know, you'd get a hundred yards and what are you going to do? You can't go any farther. The antelope's looking at you. Yeah, exactly. It's just, so it's just, yeah. you know, you kind of get to that point where you realize, you know, I'm, I see this antelope sitting here or, you know, bedded down or standing there or whatever. There's no way that I can get close to him. So I'm better off sitting here watching him and then waiting for waiting him to for present him to me. Move, yep. Exactly. If you, yep. if you bump an antelope, you're, I mean, you, if you find them, you know, you, you stand a good chance of getting shot if you're yep. patient. If you bump them, your chances of getting back on them go down about 1%. Yeah. I mean, you'll find pretty quick. You bump them, they'll run for miles. Disappear, I mean, yeah. Yep. And I would say, too, you know, so where your hunting's a little bit different even than, you know, northwest Nebraska because, I mean, you're trying to hunt them in the sand hills, which oh, yeah. there is much lower density in the sand hills than um, northwest Nebraska. And so definitely what you're saying rings true is, you know, you – if you find them, you, better, you oh, know, yeah. don't that, mess it up. That's half the battle right there is even yeah. finding them out in the sand hills. I mean, yeah. But, but yeah. So, no, very cool. Um, I guess that kind of touches on a bunch of things. Um, as far as, um, you know, equipment, obviously, you know, we've kind of talked about, I mean, you know, everybody has, you know, um, a bow, arrows, of course, you know, but you're just making sure you can shoot out to, you know, 40 to 60 yards oh, comfortably. Yeah. I mean, even, so. even further, you know, I shot on them at 70 and 80 before, you know, too. And that's, that's the other thing is antelope love to jump the string, especially yeah. if, you know, they know something's up, they might not necessarily see you there, but they, they hear that bow go off and man, I, I've seen more antelope jump the string than, yeah. And, you know, but last year, actually the one I, I missed, I think he was, 68 maybe mm-hmm. so which i mean i i'm really comfortable on antelope out out to 70 80 you know i i felt comfortable with the shot you know went up there and you know the buck had no idea i was there but one of his does i mean that's the thing you got to be careful with like i said you got all those sets of eyes looking at you that's why you got to you know be aware of what the herd's doing not just the animal mm-hmm. you're trying to kill one of the does had us pegged and he looked up at her and all of a sudden he was alert and i shot I mean, I put that shot, it, if I could have pointed my finger where I wanted to hit, it was going right for him, and by the time the arrow got there, he was a foot and a half Gone. below the arrow, you know? Yeah. It, it's crazy how fast they can move, you know, in just a blink of an eye. It's the other thing, like I said, they love to jump the string, they're known for it, so. Yeah. Yeah, they have killer eyesight. They can actually smell pretty well. They're pretty decent. Not, because, as, not as good as a whitetail, no. but they, they will bust you. I've right? definitely been busted by them you know, with smell before, um, I, I would, you know, I would say always know where your wind is. Oh yeah. That, that's them. the thing. You know, a lot of guys say you don't have to worry about the wind with an antelope and I'd say, especially spot and stock. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta know what the wind's doing. I don't know how many times I've come over a ridge and, you know, been stalking one and well, where'd he go? Yeah, <laughs> and then he's out there 300 yards looking back at me, you yeah, know, you like hear that little hey, noise, the yep, little, the little, the yeah, they, yeah, the little hear that snort see thing their they white do. butts bouncing yeah. over the next set of hills. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess something else to touch on, you know, so I, I sort of mentioned it a little bit. Um, Zach, have you done much, I guess, antelope hunting, primarily on 
public land or private land or what's kind of uh, in here? I've I've actually done all mine on on private. Okay. Um, I'd say the thing is we talked we kind of touched on Wyoming earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're wanting to go out there, you're look probably looking at a trespass fee. But private land in Nebraska, what you'll find is you just need to go knock on doors. Yeah. Um, a lot of those ranchers don't want them around. Mm-hmm. They you know they kind of see them as a nuisance for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hunt all mines on private. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of friends who do public yeah. and if you find, you know, we got plenty of public here in, in, in Nebraska, you know, you talk about Ogallala, yep. you know, you got, you got all those places out there, especially yeah, Halsey, I mean, around Halsey, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some goats out there. Around there, I think. But, yeah, yeah. Um, they do get pressured though. They do. You know, yeah. those, once those goats have been bumped a couple of times, you know, yeah, they, I think they all get pressured a fair amount i yeah, mean I, so. I remember being in college and i mean there's a lot of trucks up and down that you know those roads but you know the thing to always keep in mind um if you get off the main roads not, yeah. many, not many people are willing to do that like back so. in there where no one's willing to go i mean yeah it's where they're gonna go when they get bumped you know exactly so um yeah and i, I mean wyoming has a lot of a lot of public land too yeah, i mean not as much not as much in the well, I mean, there's still a fair amount, I guess, in the eastern part. But, I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, the trespass fee. Right. And, you know, and that's so. the thing. If you're if you're going to Wyoming, you know, there's so many out there that if you go knock on any door that yeah. has, they're, gonna, they're probably going to let you hunt. And, you know, it's just so desolate out there. You know, you're not, you don't have all these guys competing for one spot, you yeah. know. So it's not like, it's hard to find ground to hunt out there. It's just, what are you willing to pay you know to go hunt antelope but yeah there's also a lot of public like he said though but there's so much private there that you know you don't hear a lot of guys hunting the public stuff mm-hmm. out there yeah and we're uh you know as far as opportunity we're pretty fortunate here in nebraska where we can i mean we can buy a antelope permit over the counter okay. for an archery yeah for archery so very fortunate in that aspect i think you know probably um just thinking about um you know, where to go, stuff like that. I mean, we've touched on Wyoming. That's probably, if you're not going to hunt in Nebraska, that's probably yeah, definitely. the best place to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the numbers go, out there, they're, yeah. I mean, you have, you have some of those trophy units where you're probably looking at a few points to draw, and that's the other thing. In Wyoming, you have to apply for a permit. You yeah. can't just go in and there's some units, you know, that have them left over the counter, yeah. but you're probably looking at, you know, maybe a dozen units at the most, so you're mm-hmm. pretty limited, so... If you're looking at going to Wyoming, you know, you got to apply in that April, May time period. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's there's units out there that do have big goats. You're looking at a few points to draw those, but most of them you'll draw, you know, with no points. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, there's yeah definitely some units that are quote-unquote trophy units in Wyoming, but I would say... Oh, I mean, Arizona is probably one of the bigger trophy states if you're looking for, uh, you know, New Mexico, a long term goal to put in for some points and stuff and save up for, um, yeah, New Mexico too, I think. And I want to say, I want to say Utah has some pretty good goats too. Oh, yeah, Utah does. Montana has it. I mean, there's good goats everywhere. Wyoming has them, you know, red desert units. Yep, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Probably looking at seven, eight points to draw a tag there. Yeah. Wyoming doesn't help out bow hunters much either. No, no. <laughs> We're just if you're a another one of the people yeah. if you're a non-resident. If you're a non-resident, so. you better be ready to pull out the checkbook. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Um, Perfect. Well, I guess uh, next thing I wanted to kind of touch on. So I want you to, I'm going to give you a scenario, Zach, or I, you're going to give me a scenario. Um, so I want you to tell me, you know, let's say you're out antelope hunting, I want you to give me the absolute ideal situation for trying to spot and stalk an antelope, if that's what you're doing. Oh, big buck, sleeping in the sun, bedded in a blowout. Perfect. No, no I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd say the ideal... So just, just tell me, like, your thought process. Like, what are you thinking? Like, why are you thinking that way? Like, as far as what would be the best setup? No, I like I said, the best setup would be, like, if you find one alone that's, yep perfect that's, that's if you find if you find a buck alone mm-hmm. your chances of, of getting on them are, are good not only do you have you know not as many sets of eyes looking at you yeah but i mean he's gonna be 
I, especially if you have a decoy that's that's the other thing if i yeah. if i find a lone buck you know i'm i probably got a decoy with me i'm gonna use it because the antelope rut is about that first week of september mm-hmm. and if you have a decoy it can be really effective if you find a lone one um if he's if he's not alone you know like i said you're probably following the herd till they make a mistake and kind of tied into the decoy we recently a few years ago kind of started using this be the decoy mm-hmm. yeah, it's a hat that. i got one actually in the garage <laughs> yeah it, it, i got charged by an antelope yeah. with that thing one time i don't know if i want to wear it again yeah but uh but no that not only does that you know can it work as a decoy but if you have that decoy you know it can almost give you those extra few seconds to shoot you know if they mm-hmm. you know they they might you know, know something's up, but they might take a few extra seconds to look at you if you have a decoy, you know, or if you have that antelope hat on or something, mm-hmm. you know, they can be curious and just give you that extra second to shoot. But yeah, like I said, if I find that lone buck, I'm going to take the decoy with me. I'm going to wait for him to, you know, bed somewhere or go into a draw. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to follow him until he goes somewhere where he's out of sight and I can come around a hill or up over a hill and, you know, have him down below me. It, you know, I'm just going to wait till he makes a mistake, follow him, and, you know, maybe pop the decoy up if he goes out into a flat mm-hmm. or something, you know, and I know I can't get on him. Um, I Like I said, I've had a buck charge me before with, with a decoy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't kinda, had that kinda, experience kinda yet. Kind of terrifying, but, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. when, they, when an animal can run 50 miles an hour and it's it's got the <laughs> pedal to the metal coming at you, yeah. it can be a little little scary but but no decoying can work good um you if he's with his does um you know it can go either way i've seen them where you know they haul butt when you pop up the decoy or you might piss him off and he might come charging in at you if he sees a little buck trying to take Mm -hmm. his does you know so i've seen guys use those cattle decoys i don't know if you've seen those i have cut out of a cow yeah i've seen those guys have good luck is that uh isn't fred eichler was he using yeah i think fred eichler was using one i've seen him on tv before they're comfortable with cattle you know i guess it's something you could try but Mm -hmm. yeah lots of different ways to do it definitely um yeah no i uh i was just thinking while you were talking i was thinking about uh you know we're Talking, been talking a lot about antelope, obviously, um, during this podcast. And, you know, one of the things I always think is very interesting about them is, um, you know, it always seems like when you bust them, um, they'll always run out to about 120 yards. Yep. <laughs> and sit just... there and look at you and make their noises and then, you know, maybe run another 20 yards and stop yeah, and sit there and look and at you. Look at just at like. You. Like, just man, out of range you, yeah like yeah. when you, why can't you stop at like 50 yards you know oh, i know <laughs> that would make that'd be way too too easy but anyhow i just i thought that was i, just, I always think that's very interesting that they do because it seems like they all do that i mean i mean unless unless you really bugger them up and then, oh, they'll, then they'll then they'll get out and then you get you but. yeah then that's when they'll cover a few miles and yeah you know a few minutes they'll yeah just yeah but. um couple other things I want to touch on, um, you know, we were, you'd, you'd mentioned, and so, you know, this is something I've found extremely difficult over the, um, well, two things I've found difficult hunting antelope and, um, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts on, on it are. Um, number one is how do you range them? Um, you know, without them seeing you, I guess is my question. <laughs> that that's the thing, you know, when you're crawling up on antelope, you know, I'm either on my belly or I'm on my hands and knees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm the good, I guess one thing you really want to watch, and I've ha- I've had trouble with it before, and I ended up losing that range finder, which was a blessing because I remember one time I was trying to range a goat is, you know, just make sure your range finder can read through the grass. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's always those range finders out there. That I had one that don't read through the grass well, and, you know, you got to be able to get a good range on them, you know, because you're... 90% of the time you're going to be ranging through grass or something. Like I said, you're going to be crouched down. You're going to be on your belly or something. Yeah. So usually what I do, I have my range finder around my neck. And if I'm on my belly, you know, I'm just ranging through the grass. And I, I'll range them five or six times. And then mm-hmm. I'll range something around them, you know, to make sure I'm not hitting grass mm-hmm. or something. And then 
then you know i i hate shooting with my rangefinder around my neck so i'll slip it off and then trying to get drawn on them is the the next thing yeah that's you know, the, on, that was my your, next question you're on your hands here. and knees or on your belly yeah. and like i said last year you know sometimes you just got to draw your bow like parallel to the ground and kind of creep it up yeah. or you know ideally if you can get behind a yucca plant mm. or, or you know if you're hunting somewhere where there's sage big sage brush but yeah but if you're hunting out in the hills you know you're pretty limited for cover so yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen it go both ways. I mean, it, I just, I never know, you know, sometimes I feel like you can do a, you know, you you could tap dance and they wouldn't, you wouldn't know, bad wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. move, but yeah. then you like, you you know, you draw your bow and they see the tippy top of your cam coming over the hill and they're gone, you know? Exactly. It's just yeah. like, I don't understand, but anyways, but, but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's something, uh, um, you, you mentioned it and I would say, you know, I was using a long time too a different rangefinder, and I would just have a heck of a time getting it to read through oh, grass. Yeah. And I think I think that was probably, um, you know, one of my biggest problems, just as far as not being able to get a good range on them without, you know, them seeing is because I was having to get up so high. Oh to get yeah, it. But, same here. And it, it cost yeah. me, like I said. You, there's a lot of those rangefinders that won't read through grass, and if you're going to be spotting and stalking, you know, in the hills, you make sure you have got one, one. It will. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say money money well spent on a good range finder that'll that'll do that oh yeah um yeah um otherwise as far as uh yeah drawing your bow i mean like yeah i mean i've i've done it every which way you can imagine i mean you know drawn it laying down on my back on my side on oh, my bed, you yeah. know just <laughs> and, and, try. and then you you know then you sort of get up and then your arrow's all wonky all over the place. I mean, trying it just, to get a shot off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, but, yeah. That's the thing is, you know, sometimes they'll let you draw the bow yeah. when, they, when they know you're there. Yep. But like I said, they jump the string and they know yep. you're there. And you might be fine getting the bow drawn back and everything, but as soon as you touch your finger to that release, they're going to be five feet gone before that arrow's there. So that's the other thing is, you know, they might let you get drawn, but that doesn't mean they're going to stick around when the shot goes off. So Definitely. you got to be aware of that definitely yep no that's excellent advice um yeah i'd say rangefinder for sure um and then you know i'd say if you're if you're wanting to go hand antelope you've never hunted antelope before i would say your top three things are well, at least maybe top three i don't know i don't know how many i have on my ready to go yet but <laughs> number one is make sure you shoot your bow well out to 40 to 60 yards Two, have a good rangefinder I guess maybe three would just be, you know, be patient and yeah. don't stalk recklessly. I think that's what be Brian ready. Barney always says, yeah. you know, stalk aggressively, but not recklessly. He says patience kills the buck too. It does. Just patience be, kills the buck. Be yep. patient, be yep. persistent too. I mean, like I said, you might go out four or five times and you might not see a goat. And then that yep. sixth time you go out, there they are and you get your chance. You know, they, they can be so frustrating because they're, they're hard to find. They're hard to get on, and a lot of guys give up on them for yeah. that. I mean, if you're persistent, you're going to learn. I, I always say every, every hunt you go on is a learning experience, and that's, that's especially true with antelope. If you're just persistent and you stay after them, you're going to learn something new every mm -hmm. time you go out, and eventually you're going to get it done if you just stay after it. You yep. just can't give up and uh, be ready to put on some miles if you're going to spot and stalk. Yeah, animals, be in good right? shape. That's Definitely. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I've thought I was in good shape a couple times in my life, and I go out and walk hills, and I'm just like, man, I, I'm nowhere near in shape. Yeah. So you might put on 10, 15 miles a day, you know, if, yeah. you, if you get on them. For sure. No, that's that's for sure, man. Um, yeah, I guess just a few more things. Um, as far as camo, what do you you know what do you like to use for antelope hunting, Zach? Do you have a? I mean, you, know, you don't have to give a specific you know name brand or anything. Just like a general like pattern or. You know, I I usually usually when you're antelope hunting, it's a little warmer out, um, just because it's earlier in the season, you know. So I I like to wear you know lightweight stuff. I, I've tried to go with short sleeve, got cactus in my arm because of it, <laughs> went with long sleeve and ended up sweating the whole day. So, I mean, I just, I'd say the biggest thing is wear something that you're going to be comfortable in, that you can hike in all mm -hmm. day, something that's not too heavy, you know. Like I said, you're probably going to be hunting in warmer temperatures. I like to wear lighter weight stuff. You know, if I can if I can wear a lightweight long sleeve and a pair of hiking pants, you know, that that usually has me covered if it's a little chillier out i'll grab 
you know, a lightweight sweatshirt or a quarter zip or something. But, but yeah, I I usually don't wear my whitetail stuff out there, you know, no coveralls or anything. No, no. Walking around all day and that stuff. I would just say, you know, light weight and light colors are a lot yep, of kind light, of what light I think colors. about. Yep. Um, just, you know, if you get, you know, I see a lot of guys out there, um, and, and, and not that it can't work, that's not what I'm saying, you know, like out there and, you know, the stuff that they would wear in the tree stand, you know, dark, you know, right. foliage type. But, you know, I feel like when you're out there, it's, you know, everything is so light you just look like a giant blob, you know? I mean, I've, you know, I've, I remember being out in the grasslands, you know, seeing other hunters walk around. I'm like, I'm like, man, do I look like that? (laughs) Like I can see that thing coming from, you know, from five miles away. Like it just looks like a giant blob out there. And so that's been since then I've always just tried to like, think like is light of colors and different things. It's, you know, stuff to break up your outline as you can. Lighter colors. And like you said, just break up your outline. And the biggest thing is movement. You know, if you can have the best camo in the world and if you're moving all around and the antelope see it, it doesn't matter what, if you got on a $300 shirt, some special camo, you know, it doesn't matter if you're moving, you know, but you know, I've, I've, my dad, I mean, he's worn, some of the stuff that he's probably had since high school and he yeah. kills a goat every year in that. Yeah, I so, know. I, mean, it, I know. It, never know. You yeah. never know. I mean, like I said, light, like lighter color camo, wear something yep. that's comfortable. Yep. Um, you know, they aren't going to be too picky about it as long as you're smart about your movement and yeah, stuff, you know, for sure. But, but yeah. And we talked about blind hunting earlier and I guess we should mention that, you know, if you're hunting out of a blind, typically you wear your darkest colored yeah. clothes in there. True. Pitch black is Definitely. the best thing you could wear in there. So I guess should just mention that if you're looking to hunt from a blind. Mm-hmm. Good call. Um, well, I'm trying to think if we had anything else lined up here. I don't see anything else really in my notes, but um, definitely some good discussion, man. Um, I guess let's just talk about a couple more Um what was your uh, um, your favorite antelope hunt that you've had? I guess. Oh, uh, you t- you said earlier that antelope hunting can be one of the most rewarding, and man, some of my highest of highs in bow hunting have, have been during that. I remember yeah. my first one with the bow with my dad. I mean, I I was in tears in that one. Yeah, I, I always remember that one. Um, That's awesome. I'd say the one that this year, just because of the super tag. You know, oh, yeah. when I when I drew that, I thought if there's one tag that's on this that's not going to get filled, it's going to be the antelope yeah. <laughs> because I was determined to do it all with a bow, and I'm just like, you know, a spot and stock antelope with a bow, you know, in Nebraska, you're like I said, it's you get one, it's a trophy, yeah. And you know, after missing that one the week before, I thought that was my chance to get the you know to fill the tag, and then ended up coming home for fall break, and. uh Missed out on class that Friday to, to do it, but uh, no, I came home That's and right. me and my dad went back out and, you know, like I said, be persistent, stay after it, and I learned that that day and went went out and killed that goat and that was probably that was probably my favorite one just because it was on the super tag and like I said, if there was one tag on that thing that I thought wasn't going to get filled, it was that antelope one and yeah. just to do that and kind of know that you know the hard part of it was over, you know that meant a lot to me and then to have my dad there with it that it was that was probably definitely my favorite one so cool how about you yeah no definitely last year's too man i like i said i mean i you know i i hunt them in high school a little bit but i really hunted them hard when i was in college um and then man there was i think i think it was i i killed one freshman and sophomore year of college um spot and stock and then I didn't kill another one until last year and I think it was eight or nine years. And I mean, I hunted basically every year. And so, I mean, like I said, you want to talk about humbling and, um, you know, I thought I was somebody, you know, killing, (laughs) killing one, those first, you know, first two years I was spotting stock and hunting pretty hard. And man, then I, I hunted, I mean, you know, a few of those years I didn't get to go just because of, of, you know, school and, and stuff. But, um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was pretty, um, yeah, I mean, I, 
I mean, like you said, I mean, I was almost in tears. I mean, oh, you man. know, just yeah. like the feeling of, of relief and, you know, just thinking about all the, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of miles I'd put on in that oh, course yeah. of, you, you know, so hard for him. I yeah. mean, it, so like you said, they're, you know, one of the most frustrating, but one of the most rewarding, yeah. you know, anytime you get an antelope spot and stock with a bow, I mean, I don't care how big it is. You go out there and you kill a dinky little, you know, whatever yeah. you yeah. kill a booner. I mean, it, I'd be just as happy. I mean, mm-hmm. you get an antelope with a bow, you're, you'll find out. I mean, definitely. Not to mention, they are absolutely delicious, too. Oh, we haven't even talked about uh, I that. Was, I was just about to say that. <laughs> but, and, you know, oh, most, man, most are import- they good. Most importantly, yeah, they, they're amazing to eat. You know, they, oh. get a, they get a bad rap from a lot, a lot of guys. You know, they're like, oh, don't, you're going to eat that stinky goat. And it's like, oh, they they're know, excellent man. eating. Oh. I, you don't know what you're missing out on. I mean, the, the thing is, kind of said earlier, that you hunt them earlier in the year, so temperatures are warmer you just yep. got to take care of them exactly i mean get them gutted get them cooled off yep a lot of guys will kill them in august you know when it's 90 some degrees and leave them in the back of their pickup for five hours and yeah i don't care what what, what kind then. of food you put out yeah. then it's gonna taste terrible but oh yeah no i mean i let I me mean, last year we but but by the time that thing was dead until it was completely butchered in a cooler was less than two hours probably. that's the way to do it i mean so yep. you just have to you just have to take care of it oh I yeah 100 percent agree with you there get them so. gutted right away get them cooled down yep. especially if it's warm out yep. it's the biggest thing but yeah excellent eating i mean yeah some of the some of the best stuff there is oh, some of the finest table fare you'll find for sure man i i agree buddy that's that's for sure um any other thoughts or anything zach hey I don't think so. That's kind of antelope hunting in a nutshell. Yeah, so. so many different ways you can hunt them. You know, decoy, yeah. water hole. You sat on an alfalfa field with a fence yeah. crossing. You know, yeah. Spot and stock. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity out there. You just got to go out there and do it. Yep. You know? But For sure. And you're heading to Wyoming, right? You got a tag for yep, this year. I, I so. did. I got a tag. Opens That'd August 15th. So Perfect. Because, yeah, you're starting, you said school August 21st, right? Start so orientation for school on the yeah. 21st. So it's kind of going to be the last yeah. raw before <laughs> that all starts. Yeah. But. I won't be able to probably take part in Nebraska season much this year, maybe. Uh, but yeah. Hard to say. I'll, I'll go home on weekends probably, but I don't yeah. think there's going to be any more skipping on Fridays like <laughs> I did last year. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm hoping to get out. Hopefully, hopefully sometime maybe Labor Day week or you know somewhere yeah, around that there. That long weekend hit the rut just perfect yeah, about then. Yeah, that seems like usually the best time. I past couple of years I went a little earlier and it just seems like I don't know. It just didn't seem like it's quite as good then for some reason. But, yeah, you know, yeah. just not rutting quite as yeah. much then. But. Yeah. So anyhow, well. Um, Good luck to to all our fellow NBA members if you guys are getting out um, antelope hunting this fall. This was, like I said, just kind of a primer for that and um, to get uh, um, you know get everybody kind of psyched for that. And like I said, if anybody's never tried antelope hunting, um, hopefully this has been you know helpful in some way. And even if you've been antelope hunting before, and you know, hopefully we've maybe provided you with a little bit of information that maybe you didn't already know or or you can laugh at us or whatever, yeah. I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so only about a month away now. Yeah. So. We're getting there. Getting there. What is getting today? Close, yeah. July close. 12th. Yeah. Man, yeah. Flying so. by for sure. Um, perfect. Well, thanks Zach. That was, that was a great conversation there. Thanks for, um, you know, your insight on all that stuff and yeah. Well, well, tried to give you some info. I don't know if it'll be helpful or not, but yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, that's, that's what this is about. So I'm just getting getting some information out there. But um, I guess uh, next thing. So typically after you know we kind of do our main segment um, every every podcast, we'll do a um, a short thing that we is known as meet an NBA member. Um, this week um, we're gonna have um, Eric Albright on. Um, and we're going to just, we, we asked him some questions, um, earlier and I'm going to ask, going to have Zach, um, kind of read off, um, Eric's answers to these questions if you want to Zach and, um, we'll kind of do it similarly to the way that we did, um, Jake Runyon's last time. So Zach's going to start out with, 
um, just kind of going through some of that stuff. But take it away, Zach. So. All right. So like Eric said, we had, or like Kyle said, we had Eric on the phone earlier. Um, if you don't know Eric, he's quite the fellow. <laughs> um, his hometown is Pleasanton, and he currently lives in Kearney. Actually just moved north of Kearney. Um, so education, he's a high school graduate and did some college at Shadron State. Um, he currently works on the railroad. He, he's married to his wife, Amber. And he has three kids, Cody, Ridge, and Riley. Um, Eric's been bow hunting pretty much his whole life. And his mentors that helped him get into it were Harlan Welch, Kevin Martin, Mike Albright, John Hand, Trent Philbrick, Jess Hurlbert, and the rest of the Bunny Blunners crew. It's a rough crowd there. So. Very rough crowd. He <laughs> says He says they taught me how to be a real man, so if you want to... I guess whatever his definition of a man is, they sure shaped him into it. But yeah, uh, what is your favorite bow hunting memory? He says that his favorite bow hunting memory is watching Andrew Ford shoot the last kill that he ever had. Um, it was a four corn velvet muley, and he was bedded down. And Eric watched him sneak up on it and shoot it at about thirty yards. He drilled it, and it went down. And he says to this day, that's his best bow hunting memory. So yeah, that's a pretty great one. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is Eric's favorite animal to bow hunt and why? Uh, mule deer. He says he loves stalking through the hills and the pursuit of them, and they're just very cool animals. He also says that or rabbits. He always enjoys killing a good rabbit. And what is one <laughs> animal he always wanted to hunt? And he says a moose. And they're one of the ultimate animals to hunt. And he said they're awesome close encounters and he's never been to alaska um who is eric's bow hunting role model he says ted nugent um how long has he been an nba member his entire life and what is his favorite nba memory and he says halsey every year yeah um good times in halsey oh definitely (laughs) every year if you've never been there you definitely need to go like i said we'll we'll have a a special episode here this next uh Next time we'll we'll talk more about that. But sorry, go ahead, Zach. All right. Um, how's the NBA influenced you? Uh, he says making a lifetime of friends, and it gives him a sense of belonging. Um, they've taught him how to be a good bow hunter and also a good person in the in the hunting community. I can attest to that. Agreed. Definitely. But uh, two interesting facts about Eric is he can play the guitar. And he says he can stand on his head for an unlimited amount of time. <laughs> Not sure about that yeah, one. I don't know how I found that out. But, <laughs> yeah. um, what advice would you have for an up-and-coming or up-and-coming bow hunting generation? And he says, don't ever quit enjoying the heck out of it. Go out and chase everything. Don't lose the fun part of bow hunting. Um, do everything from rabbits to fish, whatever you can get out after. Go out and do it and enjoy it to the fullest. Um, any other things you want to share? Um, he says, he says, enjoy the NBA. Get out and make the most of it. And say a huge thank you to the guys who promote and give you their time to do something. Um, enjoy being a member and be proud to be a member. Amen. Um, he also wants to He also wants to say he's the membership chairman. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna, like you said, we're gonna touch on Halsey later. But he needs some volunteers for registration, and some other things. So if you want to volunteer, go ahead and give Eric a call. Um, his number is three zero eight six two seven twenty seven eighty four. So if you're wanting to help out with the registration table or anything, give Eric a call. I'm sure he'd be more than happy if you wanted mm-hmm. to help out. And we'll have that number on the next episode, too. So. Yep, you but. betcha. And one last thing Eric said. Eric said to call out Jake running to a challenge at the distance shoot this year. <laughs> um, so they have to use a, I believe they have a little toy recurve or something. Yeah. To, who can get the closest to the bottle cap. So the loser of that has to uh, to be determined is what we got written here yeah. on the paper. So. so it's something about sniffing each other's undies or something. Uh, I don't know, yeah, but. who knows what thing, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I don't but, think of something yeah. good, I'm sure. But. <laughs> yes, sir. But, but yeah, so, Jake, there's your there's your challenge. You better yeah, start we'll, practicing up. Eric's. We'll have Jake on next episode, too, so we'll 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 make sure that he's aware of the of the challenge. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but, 
anything else with that, Zach? So I don't think so. Perfect. Well, special thanks again to Eric for uh, um, filling that out for us and answering all those questions. So just kind of on the spot. So, um, you know, I should uh, put a plug in. Um, if you if you guys um, have an interest um, in filling out, we have a form, kind of a, a general form that uh, um, I like to fill out or would like to have you fill out for the Meet an MBA member section. Um, if you... Uh, if you guys would like to do that, you can um, just send me an email. Um, so we actually have an email that we mentioned last podcast um, that's set up f- specifically for the podcast. Um, it is nebowhuntpodcast at gmail.com. Okay. And again, that's N as in Nancy, E as in elephant, bowhuntpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and you can send any requests, um, and like I said, I can send you the um, the uh, form to fill out for that. And we need some people to do that. So if you guys would please, um, you know, if any of you want to fill that out, please. We and you know, my our goal is to have everyone fill it out. You know, at some point in the course of this, you know, we get enough episodes, and we would like everybody to fill it out so we can get to know everyone. That's kind of the goal of this. So um, I guess, and the other thing too, I'll just put a a uh, uh, quick uh, um, plug in for is um, the um, the trophy wall segment every week that we're running, um, which is basically um, you know success stories or just fun hunts um, that you know you've been on that you'd like to share with the with the NBA. Um, you know, we're, we're, this is not a when we're not treating this as like a I mean, we call it the trophy wall, but that's just the name. Like, you know, it's not like a bragging section or anything. It's just like, you know, it's a it's a a place for you know just people to know what you've been up to, like to to hear about you know the animals that you've been um, hunting and harvesting, and just you know we we want to hear about your experiences. Like that's that's the whole um, you know the whole reason of, of having the club and and being able to ex- just experience you know this thing we call bow hunting together. So. Um, definitely would appreciate if, if you guys, um, could submit some stories to like I say that, that email address, that's any podcast at gmail.com. Um, I have a few people that I've tasked with, with coming up with, uh, stories to this point, but can always use more. And, you know, as we're getting this rolling more, we're going to need a lot more. So definitely would appreciate if, if people could, could send some stories in. Um, and I think, you know, Zach and I had talked and mentioned a while back too, you know, ultimately what we'd like to do is try to, you know, have you recorded, um, you know, telling your own story, but, um, you know, maybe for these first few ones, we'll, you know, probably maybe have to have you just write it up and we can read it off until we get more familiar with our equipment and stuff. But anything else to add with that, Zach? Sorry, I'm rambling on here. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think you covered that pretty well. Okay. Perfect. Um, so yeah, with that, I guess, um, that's, I mean, basically all we've got for you today. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And again, this is, um, the good life bow hunter. That's kind of the title we came up with for this, um, for this podcast. And this is, as Zach said, the official podcast of the Nebraska bow hunters association. So, um, and yeah, any closing thoughts, Zach, anything? I don't think so. Antelope season's coming up pretty quick. Yeah. And get to Halsey for sure. Yeah, get to Halsey. All right, guys. Well, um, hope you enjoy this podcast. And with that, we'll, um, we'll leave you there. So, all right. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Yeah.